Welcome to the StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois StarNet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. StarNet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about StarNet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Hello and welcome to the DAP series where we have been examining content in the fourth edition of the Developmentally Appropriate Practice and Early Childhood Position Statement, as well as the recently published DAP and Early Childhood Programs book. My name is Emily Riley and I'm the host for this podcast series. Um, today is actually, um, I'm experiencing a lot of different emotions really. Um, this is going to be my last episode in this series as I'm going to be um, taking on a new opportunity in the next year, but also just feeling um, excited and a bit nervous because my guest today is Susan Friedman, uh, who happens to be the Senior Director uh, Publishing and Content Development with the National Association of the Education for Young Children, as well as NAYC Volume Editor for the fourth edition. Uh, so welcome, Susan, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Very excited for our conversation today. Um, so as being the host of this podcast and just kind of my general interest in DAP, I've certainly read this position statement many times. I've got um, highlighted marks everywhere, uh, read through the preface that you wrote in the DAP book as well. Um, and again, just really excited for this conversation and to hear um, directly from you, just um, a little bit more about the context regarding this current edition, as well as just um, some of those really important concepts um, that came out in this edition. Um, so currently, we are in the fourth iteration. So I'm wondering if we can just start with the catalyst for this current edition and really that need for revision. Um, absolutely. Um, that's a great thing to start talking about when we're starting to talk about this um, fourth edition of developmentally appropriate practice. So, I mean, first of all, is just the passage of time. It was 10 years, more than 10 years since the um, previous version of the position statement in the book. So certainly there were many um, reasons to update it because of that passage of time. Um, also, there were updates in the research base related to contextual aspects of children's learning and um, focus on the learning sciences that we wanted to be represented in both the position statement and the book. Um, another big catalyst was that um, the NACI um, board is the one that really takes on decisions about position statements, and they had elevated the need for the um, NACI has a, a, a new position statement on advancing equity, um, advancing equity in early childhood education, and um, that position statement is connected to a lot of the updates in developmentally appropriate practice position statement and book. Um, some of those um, specifics are that the um, position statement in the book has a, an emphasis on a strengths-based approach 
um, that there was response and feedback to DAP over the years related to um, equity and other pieces. And so we did respond to that in the position statement in the book and, and incorporate some of those questions um, into the update. And um, I had mentioned the learning sciences. And so all those pieces come into play in terms of um, it, it, the update and the reasons behind it. All right. Thank you. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about that um, graphic, and I'm not sure what it's referred to as, but I think it's got like all the foundational documents that I'm talking about. It kind of shows yeah. the equity. Yeah, like that one. Um, that's, that's a nice graphic that really shows how all these, I think, those position statements um, kind of yeah. So, relate. Uh so there is a graphic which I can describe, and it does show how the position statements are connected and the five foundational position statements, um, DAP, Advancing Equity in Early Childhood, um, the um, NACI um, program standards for accredited programs, um, and the Code of Ethics, and the um, the competencies and, and standards for higher ed. And they all fit together and are connected. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to take a look at that, I'm sure you, that's um, accessible on the website. But it just, yeah, as I was listening to you, jog my memory with that graphic. That's so helpful. Um, all right. So to make this happen, um, it sounds like there was lots of reasons kind of um, to get this fourth edition out there. Um, and there also needed to be lots of contributors as well, I bet. Um, and it was probably uh, a long process. So um, I'd like to hear a little bit about um, the collective vision from all the contributors for how the early childhood profession would utilize um, these two resources, the position statement and the and the book and how it might um, you know, impact or advance the profession. So um, that's an interesting question. Um, we did, you know, reach out to a range of contributors. This one of the um, differences in this book is that it does have different authors for the different chapters, and um, the authors were selected for a range of reasons. I mean, they had all expressed an interest. Um, many of them had expertise in the area that the chapter focused on, assessment, for example, or play. Um, and we just wanted to represent some different voices and perspectives um, in the contributors. Um, really, I think all of the contributors understood the importance of a strengths-based approach and thinking about equity um, as they were working on their contributions. And then because of different areas of expertise, I think some um, different elements got um, emphasized and, you know, so the importance of the integrated curriculum and the ways that um, children's learning is connected across social, emotional learning, cognitive, um, physical, um, the importance of play. Um, it's both emphasized in one of the principles of child development and learning and also in um in implementing developmentally appropriate practice. Um, joyful learning was emphasized throughout. Um, understanding new information about child development. Um, so for example, um, in the first chapter, um, I think it's on page, I have it listed as page 36, but I think it actually is on a different page, but it's talking about the concept of waves of development um, and how children development instead of um, ages and stages and that children don't necessarily develop in a way where like, this stage is finished and now I'm moving on to the next stage. So sometimes there's some moving forward and some regression. And so that um, that concept in development and being put forward in this book 
um, there's a focus on teacher intentionality and decision-making and thinking through um, what, instead of best practices in general, what is the best practice for this particular context in this particular situation, rather than a best practice that is always the best practice in all situations. Um, related to the collective vision of the authors and the contributors, um, just want to tell you a little bit about the process for this book which is that there were um, multiple authors, as I mentioned, for each chapter and section, and there were also a number of reviewers. And so in some sense, um, people were coming at the revision from their own particular context and perspective, and it was within a context of, of people from different areas of expertise taking a look and sometimes adjusting or adding information or asking questions. And so, um, you know, really sort of making sure that we had that holistic look as we were looking at the content of this book. Um, so, you know, it might be um, somebody talked about something from their area of expertise, and there might have been some um, review of the chapter and some questions related to um, equity or um, what is taught in early childhood classrooms. Um, you know, we're talking in the book, it talks about looking at the limits of the research base and that um, equity and diversity were not necessarily um, thought about in some of the um, traditional theorists. And so how do we bring that perspective into this? And that even translates into what theorists are being taught about in um early childhood courses when students are taking courses in early childhood education. And um, the idea of educator bias as something for educators to think about and engage in, and that when we think about um, context, that we're thinking about family context and children's context, but we're also thinking about the context of educators and the um, program or school um, itself. And just how does thinking about that context come into play when we think about um, what's happening in classrooms? All right, thank you. Um, so one of the things um, that I have shared right out of the text that I think is from the preface there that you wrote, um, that I find really valuable is just a, a prompt for educators for reflecting. Um, and I think it links back a little bit to what you said earlier around like that concept of, um, you know, there's best practices and what we really mean when we um, say that or a best practice. Um, so the quote here from the preface is no educational practice or learning experience is developmentally appropriate in and of itself in all settings and with all children. Um, so I just love to hear a little bit more, since those are your words, uh, your thoughts on the, the meaning behind that statement. Well, I think that um, we were really thinking about that um, it really is very dependent upon the specifics of a particular child or a particular group of children in a particular setting. So um, there was some feedback that the best practices um, in the previous editions maybe didn't account for some of that difference. Um, and so we were really thinking about that. And I think it sets the stage for educators to think through the specifics of the situation. For example, um, open-ended exploratory play is important. Um, and we do want to make sure in early childhood that children have um, time for open-ended exploratory play. 
But children also need supports in many ways. So for example, if a child is learning English, they'll need some supports related to vocabulary development. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be involved, the children still won't have the opportunities for open-ended exploratory play, but it might mean that a teacher will be thinking about adding specific play materials that support vocabulary development. Um, we have um, some, a scenario described in one of the vignettes in the book about a teacher um, hearing a child play and um, describing um, making a cake but the child is an English language learner and the um, the teacher is observing that the child um, isn't really making a cake, they're making like a pie or a fruit tart. And so she um, decides to um, engage the class in a, a pie making activity. The child can develop some specific vocabulary related to something that they're interested in. And so, um, you know, this really um, sets the stage for, a, you know, how do we think about this particular situation and maybe make some adjustments or supports um, to help what's happening in our particular class or program. And we have, um, we dive into this in the book in a couple of different ways, but I think a couple of places that I want to mention um, on page seven to eight is um, a description of the both and of intentional teaching. So instead of, you know, thinking like it's either open-ended play or a teacher engaging a, a, a child in a specific activity related to vocabulary development, that that can really happen together. So that sort of represents a both and. Or on page um, 103 in the book, um, within the chapter on play, um, there's a description about thinking about both play and equity. And so I think that that sort of both and, um, which was emphasized in the previous editions, but I think really we're just trying to highlight that um, there's multiple pieces going on that a teacher or educator is considering. And so, um, you know, there may, there will probably be nuances to anything that we describe as best practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really have appreciated that both and um, section in the book um, and have reflected on that and utilized that quite a bit. Um, one of the things, too, I used to work in a university lab school, and we leaned on DAP very heavily, would have been the um, previous editions at that time. But, you know, like, I would hear the phrase quite a bit, like, well, that's not DAP, you know, Um and sometimes it would be um, jumped to pretty quickly, maybe based only because of, you know, oh, well, that's not DAP for a toddler. But I think, you know, like you said, it, it's it's more than just, you know, the age of a child, right? There's so many factors to consider. So I really appreciate you kind of bringing in the, the context there and um, really helping people to see that bigger picture and look at um, individual factors of young children and families um, in order to try to provide the the best learning experiences that we can that make sense for for that group of children or that individual child and family. Okay, right. so with Starnet, um, which is who I work for, our mission is really to improve outcomes for young children with disabilities and their families. Um, and, you know, we've utilized the um, inclusion statement between the Division of Early Childhood and um, NAYC in a lot of our work. Um, one thing that stood out to me with this new edition, I felt like when I was reading through it, it seemed to me um, that there was a stronger emphasis placed on inclusion and in young children with disabilities in this edition. So I'm not sure if that was just kind of my perspective or is that like, do you feel like that's an accurate statement? Was there 
some intentionality behind that? Or was that just one of my, uh, something that seemed to be true for me? Well, you know, first of all, thank you for that feedback. Um, We did try to pay attention to a lot of different things in this book. And so there were multiple reviewers, as I mentioned, looking at things from a range of perspectives. And um, there there were some people that were focused on um, children with disabilities. And when we presented something, would offer us some suggestions for how to broaden some of the examples and some of the wording so that we were um, really thinking about some of the ways a teacher might make adjustments. And so um, it was one area of emphasis and one area of adjustment. And... um, you know, we always, we did, we did that from a couple of different perspectives too. So um, for example, we know from the um, statistics, you know, across states that there has been an issue with um, suspension and expulsion of um, children from early childhood programs. And in particular, um, black and brown boys, you know, the statistics about um, percentage of who is um, being expelled or suspended from preschool programs really shows that they are, that it's black and brown boys much more so. So we had someone look through the book from that perspective also, right? Um, you know, really trying to help teachers understand the moments where they could um, look at a situation differently or where there might tend to be bias related to how a child moves around the room or maybe, you know, looking at a child from a more negative perspective versus helping that child, you know, just sort of taking the perspective of, okay, this is a child's first time in a child care program or in a school setting. And so I need to provide some guidance on how to navigate through the space without knocking down block buildings, like sort of jumping down, you know, jumping ahead to thinking of a child as a child who does this kind of thing. And so um, that's another perspective that we try to um, emphasize throughout the book. So I think that Um, That was one of the um, benefits of having so many different reviewers with so many different areas of expertise is just pointing out some ways that we could um, add specifics as we think about different um, populations and different kinds kinds of scenarios and different ways that teachers might approach things. And so certainly um, special, you know, uh, thinking about children with disabilities was one of those areas. All right. Thank you for that additional background. It was um, interesting to me to hear that. Um, and it sounds like just in general, I'm just thinking like there was such a collaborative effort with so many different contributors. So that process must have certainly taken a lot of time, but just the the product in the end that you ended up coming up with, I mean, it's just such a valuable resource um, to the field. So I'm curious um, if you have some recommendations for the profession as like how to dive deep with DAP, like how to take this resource, whether it's the position statement or diving into the book um, for professional learning. And particularly thinking about, it seems like, you know, there's sometimes challenges for professional learning, um, educators, you know, getting out of the classroom. And how would you, I guess, recommend that um, teachers dive in, start utilizing this? Um, What would you like to see? Um. So um, there are a couple different ways to think that I that I like to think about this. I mean, first of all, we do have a resource on our website. Um, there's a study guide that goes along with the book, and it has a set of questions that can um, 
lead you through as you read each chapter. And it can be done by an individual engaging in the DAP book, or it could be used by somebody who might be doing a training or a reading group on DAP. And certainly that's a good resource about, you know, guiding toward diving deep. Um, You know, like what are key questions in each um, chapter as I read this? What are ways to engage and think about it? Um, It's not a book to really sit down and you know, read in one setting. I think that some chapters you can kind of read in one setting and some chapters are more chapters where you might be taking notes and certainly having um, moments to think about one's own practice or practices one's observed and reflecting and discussing um, or reflecting and thinking on one's own as you're reading the vignettes and the examples is a good way to dive deep. And so I do recommend taking a look um, for the study guide. And also there are questions in each, there are there are questions, thought questions within each chapter that I think really can also help people dive deep. So there are like many features within the book itself that I think help people dive deep. Um, another way that I've been thinking about this is um, you were talking before about um, best practices, sort of a checklist in the past where people would say, this is developmentally appropriate, this isn't developmentally appropriate, and here are the lists. And one of the things that I've started to develop is I start some of my presentations on DAP with an example um, that you know, really helps people think about how is it that you know a little bit about something and then you begin some, become someone who knows more about something as you're sort of thinking and exploring it. So the example that I use is, you know, I have worked in um, early childhood for a long time and taken care of young children for quite a while. But when I had my own baby, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do. And I remember being in the hospital and, you know, I have a newborn son and he's crying and I was like, who's going to help us? I need the doctor. I need you know, somebody help us. And then I realized like, oh, this is me. Like, this is me with this child. And so it was, it's kind of a moment to think about when you're thinking about developmentally appropriate practice that, um, you know, how do you become someone who, who becomes engaged with and knows this body of information and that it's okay to sort of have a point where you feel like you don't really know it. But then as you start to look at the resource and think about the resource and think about the questions and think about your own context, um, I think it does help you to dive deep. And, um, you know, and I think that that's what we're hoping for with DAP is that people will engage in this, um, both as people with experience and as um, people who may be new to the early childhood field, and that um, we have a number of questions and thought questions to help people start to engage, and that there's thinking about examples and considering contexts. There's comparing um elements that were emphasized in this version that may be different from the previous version. So I think there are a lot of different entry points to um, digging deep and becoming someone who starts to really engage and think about this. All right. Thank you. And I know we've been um, having these conversations too, just in Illinois among our professional learning organizations and, you know, how do we go about, um, making sure first that people are aware. I mean, I think there's been a lot of um, outreach and marketing around DAP and, um, but, you know, some people might um, have not started exploring it yet or not, might not be aware. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to get that information out too, and have, have tried a couple different formats um, to engage people with the learning. So um, we will hopefully continue to, to provide um, a variety of opportunities here in Illinois. So if you want to take a look, um, 
after this podcast, um, check out early childhood professional learning. Um, there is currently like a collaborative series going on, just a kind of overview of DAP, and that's open to anybody. So um, there's two more, I think, in that series. And then um, uh, check out the StarNet website as well under our trainings. Um, you'll probably see there's a um, developmentally appropriate practice um, it's, it's more like kind of a, a discussion group um, or community of practice around um, the concept, the core consideration specifically around individuality and that um, emphasis on individualizing learning, um, particularly with our emphasis on supporting young children with disabilities. So, um, so check that out if you're here in Illinois. Um, so Susan, as we're getting ready to wrap up, is there anything else um, that you haven't had a chance to share about DAP that you really would like our listeners to hear today? Um, we have a place on the NACI website where you can add and share your own DAP story. It's organized so you can offer a self-reflection and describe something that you observed or experienced as an educator through the lens of DAP. And I really hope um, some listeners and some people who are engaging in learning about DAP will think about um, checking it out and and filling it out and sharing your story. We'd love your contribution and welcome you. And, you know, I think it's an opportunity to be part of the wider um, DAP exploration, you know, that your story of what's happening in your classroom is really worthy of other educators thinking about also. And we really hope um, those who who are faculty and teach in edu education courses will think about how to integrate the new DAP book, the fourth edition of the DAP book and position statement into your teaching. It serves as a wonderful base um, from which to think about and explore all the other um, texts and contexts um, related to early childhood education. And um, we hope that um, you'll think of DAP as sort of a growing a body of information that you can both learn from and add to. Excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is this has been great. Thank you, Susan, so much for joining me today. Sounds like um appreciate just the responsiveness. You know, a couple of times you mentioned during the conversation, like, oh, we heard, you know, people um, you know, talking about best practices, and maybe that's not reflective of all contexts or cultures, you know, and like we're thinking about that more deeply um with the revision and just, you know, making sure, you know, looking at that research. So just being so responsive to, to the field and um, comments and thoughts that are coming up. So really appreciate that. And I imagine sometime down the road, we'll probably have some more revisions, right? Because that's the way, the way it works, continually evolving and growing, right? New information all the time. <laughs> um, all right. So thanks again. Um, yeah, just really um, thankful for the opportunity and appreciate you taking your time. I imagine um, you are very busy in your role. So I appreciate that. I also want to thank all the dedicated followers and listeners um, who have been, you know, joining me on this ride with the DAP podcast series. It's been a lot of fun. And I just hope that the series um, has prompted you to engage in more reflection and just um, consider how you'll uh, utilize the three DAP core considerations to inform decision making and engage with um, children and families. So um, go ahead and you can subscribe to our podcast. Um, we'll certainly be continuing the podcast just with a lot of other different topics. So um, thanks everyone and best of luck. I hope you um, start exploring the DAP position statement. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu 
or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.